0: i would open up your bulletin, just uh, look in there, um, there should be a little card in there, a little connection card right now, I'd like you to pull that out, and um, if you've been with us, you know, regular here with us, just put your name on there, and maybe your email address, uh, check that you were here for first service, we'd appreciate that, we could drop that in the offering later, we to keep holding on to that, because there's some stuff in the back we'll be talking about later on. If you're new with us this morning, or our guest, uh, we're welcome, glad you're here, just uh, we'd ask you. Fill out whatever you feel comfortable, um, but oh, if you wouldn't mind just checking, that's your first time or second time guest uh, on there, and then hold on to that as well. We'll drop that in the offering later on, uh, that'd be great. So, filling those out, i um, sure appreciate it. Now, uh, uh, we are at uh, the last week of our six-week series on uh, discipleship, and uh, it's called uh, The Pursuit, and I hope that uh, this series has been not just something that you've passively Learned, but something that you've actually been able to engage and grow closer to Jesus. And uh, today, uh, uh, every week we've been memorizing Scripture. In fact, um, it's something that's going to continue Um, in this series on discipleship. We didn't want to just teach you about discipleship; we wanted to help give you tools too. And maybe you didn't notice this, but um, but every Sunday we've done our best to give you an opportunity to engage in. All the spiritual disciplines possible uh, is because most folks haven't grown up in the church or haven't been mentored and to see. So, you know, every Sunday you have an opportunity to fellowship, which is spiritual discipline, worship uh, through song, but also through prayer. Uh, we have time to read scripture every week. We bring scripture up on the screen. You're able to read it. We are able to study scripture, which is important. That Bible intake. You're able to memorize. We've been added that, uh, which is uh, a spiritual discipline that most haven't had. You have an opportunity to uh, to serve one another. You also have the opportunity uh, to. Uh, to repent, uh, to confess before uh, communion, which is a spiritual discipline, which is very important. And also the opportunity uh, for offering to forgiving, um, which is also very important. And so every week we've been really trying to give you an experience so you can be trained. You've had six weeks now where you've had a chance to see what each of those are, and that will continue in our services. But very intentionally, we want you guys to grow closer to Jesus. And that's what this is all about. Um, discipleship is all about growing closer to Jesus. So one of those things that we've been doing is uh, memorizing Scripture. And so uh, last week we had this really long uh, Scripture. And so it, in Ephesians four fifteen and 16, uh, this is what we read. It says, instead, we will speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ, who is the head of the body, his body, the church. He makes the whole body fit together perfectly so that... or." <laughs> Uh, so as each part does its own special work, it helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. Well, you think I would have got that I've mem- every day of this week. I've gone through that. So I need the words, but you guys don't. So um, so we're going to take those away. And I want you guys to help me. Obviously, I need it. So let's say for all you've memorized it I said instead, we will speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ, who is the head of his body, the church. He makes the whole body fit together perfectly. As each part does its own special work, it helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. It's Ephesians 4:15 through 16. Well done! See, you guys thought those were all big, long, and hard, and you had it. So it's just very good. So I decided I will give you even a bigger one this week, <laughs> but it's one you already know. Now, you might notice that I picked the NLT for this series, and there's a reason for that. Because a lot of these verses you've heard before, probably in a different version, and I wanted you to memorize, not just to kind of go through it in your head. So the next series we're doing, we're going back to the NIV uh, for what we're doing. So this is Matthew is the Matthew 20, 18, 20. Many of you might know It, it is the Great Commission. But it, the phrasing is a little different because I want you to really pay attention to what Jesus is saying. So uh, I'll read it for you here and then we'll memorize it. It says, Jesus came and told his disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you and be sure of this. I am with you always, even to the end of the age. So you guys know how it works. There's a letters highlight on the screen. Just read them. It'll be painfully slow, but that's okay. Just read them. And then we'll go through it again. And the first letter will change. Read through it at that pace. And then we'll start to memorize it as we'll phrase it kind of normal. And then we'll take away everything but the first letters. We'll say that a few times and then you will have it. So it'll be locked into your head and your heart, which is what we want. So here we go. Let's read along with the highlighted letter words. It says, Jesus came and told his disciples I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you and be sure of this. I am with you always, even to the end of the age. That's Matthew 18 or 28, 18 through 20. You think I could read? (sighs) Okay. No. All right. Let's try this again. (laughs) Jesus came and told his disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you. And be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Matthew 28:18 through 20. Very good. Alright, so let's read it. Jesus came and told his disciples... I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you, and be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. So Matthew 28, 18 through 20. Very good. Again, Jesus came and told his disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. "...teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you, and be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age." That's Matthew 28:18 through 20 Again, Jesus came and told His disciples, "...I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth, therefore go and make disciples of all the nations." baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you. And be sure of this. I am with you always, even to the end of the age. That's Matthew 28:18 through 20. All right, one more time. Jesus came and told his disciples... even to the end of the age. That's Matthew 28 18 through 20. Very good. All right, so start losing the words. You'll, you've got this, though, don't worry. It so, says, Jesus came and told his disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son. And the Holy Spirit teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you and be sure of this. I am with you always, even to the end of the age. That's Matthew 28, 18 through 20. Very good. Here we go. Jesus came and told his disciples. I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you and be sure of this. I am with you always, even to the end of the age. That's Matthew twenty-eight eighteen through 20. Again, Jesus came and told his disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations. Baptize them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you. And be sure of this. I am with you always, even to the end of the age. That's Matthew 28, 18 through 20. Again, Jesus came and told his disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you and be sure of this. I am with you always, even to the end of the age. That's Matthew 28, 18 through 20. Very good. So now I want to start taking away the letters. It's okay. You have this. Don't worry. Jesus came and told his disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you, and be sure of this, I am with you always Even to the end of the age. That's Matthew 28, 18 through 20. All right, ready? Jesus came and told his disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you. And be sure of this, I will with you always, even to the end of the age. That's Matthew 28, 18 through 20. woo Yay! You guys should celebrate. Give yourself a pat on the back. Look at that. Whoa! So easy. That's the longest one yet. And I can't make them any longer because they don't fit on these cards, which I've given you. <laughs> Speaking of those cards, they are in your bulletin. Please take those out right now. You'll notice that they are the full text on one side, just the first letter on the other. Please every, take those out right now. Put in your pocket every day this week. Pull that out till you get to the point where you can do it just by looking at the first letter. And then just throughout the day, be able to say this to yourself. But think about what you're saying. What did Jesus Mean by this, and what does that mean for you? That's actually called meditation. It's a pretty cool thing. So, awesome. Now let's continue on our last sermon on the pursuit, called Your Mission, and uh, it's going to come from Acts 1:8. You say, "Hey, Aaron, I know Acts 1:8 because I memorized it right two weeks ago." Well, you're welcome. We will be preaching on that. We'll get to go pretty deep today because you already have memorized this passage and hopefully been thinking about it. Now, just to give you an idea of where we're going in this. uh, This has been six weeks in discipleship, and uh, we're going to be talking about mission. Now, next week, the next two weeks, we're going to be on a series called Share the Road, in which we're going to be talking about Roman's Road to Salvation. Um, how? What are some ways that you can share the gospel with other people? And over the next six weeks, uh, there's verses that we'll be memorizing from Romans Road. So you will be more equipped. You will have that in your heart and your head. Uh, but also, Gideons are going to be coming, and they're going to be talking with us and uh, giving us real-life examples of how they've shared their faith uh, and, uh, with folks um, throughout the whole world. <laughs> and there's one thing about learning the principles of, of evangelism. There's an entirely other thing of seeing someone with a heart for it. And who has done it and to hear their stories. It's uh, so uh, pretty cool. Then after that uh, is Easter, which is only three weeks away. So what I'd like to be doing even now is be praying for your friends, your neighbors, your family members who don't know Christ. Uh, On Easter Sunday, we're going to be starting a new series on heaven. It's called Heaven, Why Forever Matters Today. Of course, on Easter Sunday, we'll be talking about Jesus and the resurrection, the way that he provided a place for us in heaven, the man from heaven and what we can learn from him. And then the next six weeks after that, we're doing that series. Along with that six-week series, uh, there will be life groups, and we encourage you to join. In fact, there's a brand-new seri- uh, life group that will be um, starting here on Sunday mornings. So if the weeks uh, are, are difficult. Susan to be helping lead that, which will be awesome. And so uh, we encourage you, if you're not in a life group right now, uh, but you'd like to be in one, we'll be doing sign-ups the next couple weeks for that. So that's where we're going to be going. But today we're going to talk about your mission. Now, in the past, what we've had is we've had your call, your testimony, your delight, your attitude, your family. Uh, all those things leading up to where we are now. Remember that Jesus didn't give his disciples their mission. He didn't give them Acts 1-8, right? Until he had died, right? Was resurrected, right? And which means that it was the end of their... Like, they had three years of discipleship. They had, they had time with Jesus to learn about him, what his commands were. They had time to see his heart and to grow in that heart, Right? And then God gives them this mission. And he says, go and to do these things. And so we need to be growing in Christ. Now with discipleship, we started this series off with that because the series about discipleship, if you remember, a disciple is a lifetime learner and follower of Jesus Christ who surrenders his or her life to God's mission. That's no small thing. A disciple in Jesus is not just a convert of Jesus, not just a follower, just a, a Christian, right? A disciple is personally says, teach these new disciples to obey all the commands. It requires commitment. Now, Jesus said, unless you're willing to pick up your cross and follow me to die to yourself, uh, you're not worthy of me. Think about discipleship has a cost, but it also has a wonderful reward uh, that we get to know God, grow in God, have the fruits of, of God come alive in us. Right. But there's a danger in discipleship, which we've talked about at the very beginning, that in this path of, uh, of discipleship that we're on, there are two ditches, one on each side of the road. And one of those ditches is grace abuse, right, where we see that God loves us and he forgives us and we are not saved by anything that we've done. Right. And because of that, sometimes as Christians, we we get to the habit of saying, well, I am. a am a follower of Jesus, but I don't need to follow Jesus. Right. Uh, I'm saved. I have my fire insurance. That's good. I've got busy things in life that I'm up to and I don't really want to, you know. Church takes time. Christ takes time. That sacrifice is hard stuff. I really don't need it to get to heaven, so I'm not going to. So I'm going to get stuck in this ditch, which which James calls dead faith. Right? And it's a dangerous place to be. And when, when Christians fall into that ditch, the rest of the world sees people in that ditch, and they call them hypocrites. Right? And those people who carry the name of Christ, right, actually become an inoculate our culture against Christ. Because people say they they look like Jesus as far as they they carry the name Christian, but they don't act like anything that we would want to follow. And if that's what Jesus is like, if that's what Christianity is about, I don't want anything to do with that, right? Then there's the other ditch on the other side, which is law abuse. It's legalism. It's the idea I'm going to earn my own... I'm going to be so perfect, right, that that there's no grace in my life. I'm going to follow all these rules. I'm going to do all these things just so I can please God... And, and miss on the fact of grace and folks when they follow into into legalism they also become very repugnant to culture right people look at them and they say wow you are a hate-filled monger right? you are you are a no fun person you've got all this law in your life but no love there's no love in your walk with god and so they're doing all the right things but for all the wrong reasons and there's no fruit in their life and they're, and they're very burdened by all these commands of god uh, they often project those things onto other people and become very judgmental. And So you have this, uh, this thing on, on this side, which is you're stuck in law. And, and discipleship is in this path in the middle where our faith and our works match. But how we do that, how we walk in that middle, if you remember, isn't about focusing on the faith, the grace, or the works, the law. We, if we focus on those two things, we tend to naturally we'll slip off the road and we'll get stuck in one of those ditches. Jesus told us that the way that we stay on the path like this is to seek Him. The more we as Christians draw our lives out of Christ's heart, right? Because out of the heart comes all the things in our lives. If your heart is filled with vile things, you'll have vile things in your life. The fruits of your life, the attitudes of your life are going to be bad. So if you have hatred in your heart, you're going to have murder in your life, right? If you have lust in your heart, you'll have adultery in your life. And Jesus said, you know what? Jesus gave you a new heart, a heart that's his heart, right? He said he took off that heart of stone that you had, gave you his heart. And when you tap into that, As you get to love God with everything, you seek the kingdom of God and his righteousness first. You you begin to love God. It's impossible for the fruits of Christ, the Holy Spirit's fruits, to not start appearing in your life. You're going to start seeing love and patience and joy and gentleness and kindness and goodness and self-control. And all these wonderful things will happen in your life. Not because you're focusing on God's grace or on his law, but because you're just focusing on how you love Jesus. And here's the amazing thing. When we spend time with God, it's natural for us to fall in love with Him because He is the coolest being ever, right? It, it, just like you're around somebody who's just, you're around a person, where there are people that are just really neat and you're around them and, and the more you're around them, the more you like them because they're so intriguing, so amazing. God is like that except for it's the infinite degree. It's not a secret of how do I fall in love with God. It's just this. We just need to spend time with God, and that's why the spiritual disciplines are important. That's why we've been focusing on those. The more you t- spend time with God, the more you will fall in love with Him. And the more that you love Him, the more that you're going to 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 set your life out of His heart, the more these fruits are going to show in your life, and then we'll be equipped for this amazing mission, which we read uh, in Acts eight. Now, I'm not going to re- pull this... Verse Acts 1-8 on the screen, because you've already memorized it, right? But in Acts 1-8, he says, But you will receive power, and the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere, in Jerusalem, throughout your day, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth, right? So the first thing we find in that passage is that the followers of Jesus receive power from the Holy Spirit. This is really intriguing, and I think it's overlooked. It says, But you will receive power. That's what it says in the Scripture. But think about what happened. Jesus... Was God in the flesh and in spirit on earth? Right, He was the whole package of God, whole package man, whole package God. God in the flesh and spirit on earth. Right, He ascends and He says, "All right, you are going to be my body." We just remember that last week, that we that whole passage, everything we memorized. Jesus said, "You are my body." What is a body without a spirit? Dead. That's what a body without a spirit is. I've done enough funerals. I can tell you that you have a body, no spirit. Great body, no spirit, it's dead body. It does, And dead bodies don't do anything. They have no power to do anything effective, right? That's why they are dead. Now, Jesus had created his body on earth. He trained them, prepared them, said, I'm going to grow my body in this world. But he gave them this really amazing command. He says, okay, but go and don't do anything until the spirit comes upon you. I don't think it was by accident. You see, the the work of Christ's body, the work of Christ in this world continues today. We are his physical body in this world, but we also have, just as much as Jesus had the God the Spirit in him, and was God the Spirit, we have God the Spirit in us, and dwelling and powering the body of Christ. And on Pentecost, when the Holy Spirit showed up, right, the body of Christ was now filled with the Spirit of God. And you remember the ministry of Jesus, how it touched lives and changed people's? Right? Look at what the body of Christ has continued to do since Pentecost. Jesus took one man, who he is, and his ministry that he took, and he magnified it billions of times over. Uh, phenomenal. It is the body of Christ and the spirit of Christ doing the work of Christ in this world. That is what the church is. And so we are empowered by the Holy Spirit. And, and I think we need to remember that. As a church, if we try to do with the spirit or try to act outside of the spirit, if we're trying to leave the Holy Spirit behind and and, and say, we don't need the spirit, we're going to do this on our own work. Good luck. Be like your body saying, well, I'm going to do this without the spirit inside of me. It just doesn't happen. And so as a church, as a family, we need to remember, we need to engage in the Holy Spirit, continue to pray and connect with the Holy Spirit, follow the Spirit's leading, because the Spirit should be leading the body, not the body leading the Spirit, right? In fact, like Scripture talks about that time and time again. We're told to live according to the Spirit, work according to the Spirit. God has called us to an amazing task. This mission is phenomenal. Save the world. Possible for humans, really possible for God who created the world in less than six days, right? He can do it the body of Christ, filled with the spirit of Christ, that's where our power comes from, which is really amazing. It's encouraging for me. But also, followers of Christ are called to be his witnesses. It says, and you will be my witnesses. The power of Christ enables us to do what? Witness. A witness is this. It's an eyewitness, right, or it's a first-hand uh, account. Somebody as a, a witness has first-hand testimony, right? It's their experience of whatever that was that gives them authority to speak, right? So if you're in court and you have a witness to a crime, the reason that they're able to speak, the reason they speak with authority is because they saw the crime. They had an experience. And it's the experience that they had that is why people listen to them. See, followers of Jesus, we're to be witnesses of God. We don't just tell people Jesus can save sinners. We say, look how Jesus saved this sinner. We don't just say Jesus can change your heart. We say, look how he's changed my heart and my life. See, you don't have to go to college. There's nothing wrong with apologetics, and I am all about learning those things. But you know what the greatest apologetic in the world is you. It's your changed life. It's Christ in you. As you live and as, as you draw your roots deep in Jesus and the fruits start appearing in your life, your friends, your family members who know you well enough to know that that didn't come from you, are, they can't argue against it. Right? If we try to witness without having experience of the Holy Spirit, if our life isn't empowered by the Holy Spirit, if we're not drawing our life from the Holy Spirit and allowing his fruits to come from our lives, our witness is dead. We have no witness. Or we can tell people about what Jesus does, but we can't say, look what Jesus has done. Which is why it's so important that we're empowered by the Holy Spirit. Which is why it's so important that we continue to to fall in love with God. Which is why it's so important we spend time with God and connect with him. Because when we, when we connect with God, we can't help but we, His witnesses. Right? You don't have to tell somebody. but well, There's nothing wrong with telling people about Jesus. We're going to spend the next two weeks talking about how you do that. But you will always be telling people about Jesus. Right? When the fruits of the Spirit are alive in your life, everything you do is testimony. How you treat your spouse how you treat your neighbors how you work right your how you treat those at work how you view the world how you handle adversity how you handle prosperity right all of those things change and you will handle them in a godly way that you never had been in the power to do on your own before because the spirit has changed you from the inside out and others will see that and you will be testifying with your very life no matter where you go that god is real and then when you speak speak with authority because you have had an experience that's undeniable. You are his witnesses. Third point there is followers of Jesus proclaim the gospel in local communities and around the world. It says, and you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere. Right? It's not that you might be my witnesses or you're supposed to be my witnesses. You will be. Everything you do speaks, just as much as when you are growing the fruits of the Spirit in your life, testifies to those. When we don't grow the fruits of the Spirit in our life, it testifies, doesn't it? It's like the people stuck in the two ditches, right? We are representing Jesus no matter where we go, whether we like it or not. That's part of being His disciples. You will be His witnesses. And we're supposed to tell people about Him everywhere, no matter where we go. Now, let's talk about that. We Remember the passage from Acts 1-8. It said, you know, you would be telling people about me everywhere, in Jerusalem, throughout Judea and Samaria and the, end of the earth. Well, the ends of the earth is easy for us. That is the world. And here's an interesting thing about the world. I was just checking it out this week. Uh, check out the earth. That's pretty cool. Do you know that uh, in the world, 32% of we have 32% gospel penetration in the world, which means roughly one out of three people in the world heard the gospel and recognized themselves as at least following Jesus. That doesn't mean that... I, if we just assume that everybody who says I'm a Christian really is a Christian... we would be 32%. But 32% of the world we know at least has heard the gospel. Okay? One, it's one out of three. Uh, the other parts, 23% Muslim, 15% Hindu, 7% Buddhist, 6% other kind of wacky things. 17% of the world uh, have no religious affiliation. Most of them in the Western Hemisphere. Right? That's, that's where we're at. That is where we are. That That means that 4.8 billion people in this world today don't know Jesus as their personal Lord and Savior. 4.8 billion people in the world today are going to hell if they die. 4.8 billion people not only don't have a great future ahead of them because they don't know about Jesus and don't follow him and are still lost in their sin, but they also today are still stuck in their sin. They haven't been redeemed. They are still imprisoned by their sin and their darkness. They have no spirit, no life inside them to change them, to bring them to become the people that they know that they, were meant, they always wanted to be. 4.8 billion people in the world are either deceived or live in darkness and despair. That should break our hearts. We have a mission. But our mission isn't just out there somewhere. Sometimes we think of the world and it's just too big. So I think why Jesus had that those concentric circles where he talks about, right? How about our Samaria? That would be the United States. What do we know about the United States? Well, uh, there's been uh, some really neat surveys, especially the... the uh, Uh, They call it the the census that goes through. They they ask folks a lot of good questions, and some of this data comes from them. Some comes from Barna, which is pretty good. Um, But in Samaria, the United States, we have 45% gospel penetration, which means that a little bit less than half of of people in the United States actually know about Jesus and that he can be uh, Lord and Savior, know who he is. Right? Of that 45%, uh, 17% of Americans are evangelical. I Means so they go to a church where the Bible is taught as God's inspired word, that Jesus is taught as being the, the God, the Son, and, and also the Messiah. Right? At churches, and they identify with those churches. Uh, 17%. 19% are Catholic. And there are a lot of believers that are Catholic. Um, but there's also uh, 9% that are mainline. Uh, um churches that don't consider themselves evangelical, don't take the stand that the Bible is the inspired word of God, but still at least associate themselves with Christ. That's where we want to break down that 45%. That's where it's at. What about the rest? What, what about the other 55% of the United States? Well, 51% of them have no religious affiliation. For the first time in, in the United States history, more people are don't believe anything than believe that there is a God and believe in him. I hope you see that it's it's a dark place here where we live. In the United States, there is need. That, That means that at least 174 million Americans today don't know Jesus, don't worship him, at least. That if they die, they're going to hell because of their own sin, because they're in rebellion against God, because they don't know better, because they're in ignorance, because they're in darkness. 174 million Americans right now don't have hope. Are either most of them don't even have any belief that there even is a God? Can you imagine the despair? How do you handle what happens in life, like the mudslides that we've seen and and the floods and the horrible things, if you think that there is no God to protect or no justice? 174 million of our countrymen are lost. Our mission is real. Well, let's bring it closer to home. What about Colorado? Our point, our place in Colorado or in the United States. Whereas in the United States, there's 45% gospel penetration. Get this, Colorado, 33% gospel penetration, 33%. You know what that makes? That makes the United Colorado as Christian or as non-Christian as the world in general. Right? When we say our, our mission is the world, we think about the heathens out there. We think, oh, my goodness. Here, 11% of Coloradans are evangelical Christians, 16% are Catholic, 7% are mainline, 62, 62, over 2 out of 3 people who live in Colorado have no religious affiliation. They just don't believe anything. That's 3.3 million Coloradans don't know Jesus as our Lord and Savior. 3.3 million people who live in this state are living in spiritual peril every single day. That should bother us deeply. These aren't somebody and a village out there that we don't know, no, you know, care about. These are the people that we work with and we see. These are people just like you and me who just don't know. And where is our mission field? Well, let's talk about our Jerusalem, It's Estes Park. This this will just knock your socks off because I've been working with the EMA trying to figure this out. Where are we at? Okay, where the world's at thirty-two percent gospel penetration, Colorado is an abysmal thirty-three percent. You know what Estes is? Twenty percent. We are vastly less Christian. Less the gospel penetration. Estes part is, is 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 at the same level as it is in, in in many places in the in the world that are are considered least reached. It is ridiculous that we are least reached here. You guys love Jesus. You, I know most of you. The fruits of the Spirit are alive in your life. We need to be sharing our faith. 80% of the folks in Colorado, at Estes Park, in the Estes Valley, don't have a church that they can call home, uh, don't identify themselves with Christ in any way. It just should break our hearts. These are the people you see at Safeway. You know, chances are when you walk through Safeway, Four out of the five people that you say hi to don't know the Lord. They live in spiritual peril every second. Live with despair. Don't have the power of the Holy Spirit in their life. Lonely. Discouraged. Our mission is real. It's not a game. God loves you so much. But he's called us to something amazing. And simply said this. Love your neighbor, at least as much as you love yourself. We've got to start with loving God. If we don't love God, then the Spirit never comes alive in our life and our testimony is dead. So yes, love God with everything, but that's got to propel you. You've got to love our neighbors. Do the people's next door to you, do they know the Lord? Do the people that you rub shoulders with at work, do they know the Lord? Do the people that you work with, do you go to clubs with and you're a part of boards and all those things, do they know the Lord? Do, you, do your, the friends of, of your uh, your kids' friends, do they know the Lord, or their parents? Or Four out of five don't. It doesn't discourage me because the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, empowers our ministry. And that is why we are committed, as as a body of faith, to see 100% of the people in the Essence Valley to know that Jesus loves them. 10,000 people. It's not that hard. There's congregations that are like five times that number, right? We, we can do this. There's one grocery store in our town. There's one hospital. There are places that everybody has to go. Right? We can do this. But this is our mission. And it begins with me in my house. Right? Am I living in such a way that I'm really falling in love with Jesus, that His Spirit is coming alive in me? Right? As the worship team comes forward and, and we bring this series to a close, I want you to pull out your, your, your connection card. In the back are some next steps. So, say, what do I do with this? What is your testimony? Are you on mission? What do you do with that? Well, one of the things I want to challenge you to do is not, we can't just sit here. We, we, we know the importance of, of what's, up, what's out there. Next to you, there's a big box and a little box. A big one is one of the things you can do this week is to memorize our memory verse, Matthew twenty eighteen to 20. Why? Because God's Spirit never returns to him void, or God's Word never returns void. Memorize it. Think about it. Pray for God. That's the other way. Right? Uh, uh, number three there, pray daily for God to develop His heart for the lost in you. Maybe that's what you need to do. Maybe you're like, you know what? I see that. I should bother me, but it really doesn't. Well, God knows where you're at. Pray for Him to develop His heart for the lost in you. Because God loves the lost a whole bunch. So much that he left heaven to save us. Isn't that great? So connect with God and pray this week. Maybe that's what you need to commit to. or maybe maybe you have a heart for the lost, but you haven't known what to do with it. You haven't felt equipped to know how to share your faith. That's why the next two weeks, we're going to be talking about how can you share your faith. It's one of the very many, many ways that you can. But if you come these next two weeks, that might be what you need to do is commit. Come here these next two weeks and be trained so that you feel confident and are equipped and have what you need to be able to talk about your faith with those who don't know the Lord. Or maybe it's just to invite somebody to church this Easter. You know that most people, even those who don't know Jesus as their Lord and Savior, are willing to come to church if only somebody would invite them. And I will guarantee you, you have my pledge, on Easter Sunday there will be a gospel message. There will be a gospel message in the next two weeks too. There's one every week. But there's going to be a powerful gospel message. By telling people about Jesus. If you have friends or neighbors or coworkers or family members who don't know the Lord, invite them to come on Easter because most people are, w- are more open to that that Sunday. And uh, maybe that's what you need to commit to do. And if you would say, "I'm going to invite that person," then commit to praying for them. Right? Pray that God prepares their heart to hear the gospel. That He prepares them in such a way that they're they're ready to respond. Or maybe there's another way that you need to, to, to respond this week. Mark that down. Let us know what it is because we want to be praying for you. We want to support you. Also, there's more information about starting a relationship with Jesus. Maybe you're here and you're like, you know what? I don't know the Lord. Let us know. We will talk with you. We'll love to meet with you about who is Jesus. Maybe you need to be baptized or you have a child that needs to be dedicated. or Maybe, you know, it's time for you to join this church in membership and to stand with us in what we're doing. Maybe it's identifying your spiritual gifts. A lot of you have filled out those surveys. Thank you, by the way, for doing those. If you haven't, do it. But a lot of you said, you know what? I'd like to know my spiritual gifts. If you like that, let us know because we'll be putting a class together. So that way, we can equip you best to fulfill your ministry and to help us complete this mission that God has put us on. So please mark those down here in just a minute. I'm going to pray for you as you can make these commitments. And then as we take the offering, Ryan will pray for that in a minute. But as we take the offering, just drop those in the offering basket. We would sure appreciate it. All right, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we love you. And uh, we love you only because, Father, you first loved us and sent your Son to this earth to die for us. He rose again because he's God, gives us hope and and, and great assurance that this is not just fairy tales or stories, uh, that our, our faith is placed in the right thing. But, Father, we look at the life of Christ and your great mission, that you came to this earth to save a world full of sinners that were lost. And you weren't looking for reasons to condemn us. You certainly didn't need any. But you were looking for ways to save us, to reconcile us back to you because you are a God that loves. You reveal yourself in the Scripture so many times, Lord, as a God who's quick to forgive and to show mercy and so slow to show anger. But we also know, Father, that you are just. And we love that about you, but it also terrifies us. Father, thank you for this time of mercy and grace that we have to respond to you, to receive your incredible, loving offer of forgiveness. Thank you for taking our burden of sin to the cross so that we could be forever with you. And Father, I pray, Lord, as this congregation, as we gain your heart, I pray that we would just forget about that. We would connect with you and your Holy Spirit, Father, that we would be empowered by your Holy Spirit to do your work in this Estes Valley. Help us to love our neighbors and our friends, Father, and and not to be selfish with the gospel. Father, I pray in these next few weeks as we are trained to learn about how to share your word, that you will empower us and give us opportunities. But even today, Lord, I pray that our lives will be the testimony that you called them to be. And our testimony would say the truth about you, that you are real and that you love and that you change and that you save and that you give hope. Father, bring your salvation.